Good evening, everyone. Uh, Pastor Jay Morgan here, uh, Director of the Appalachia Prayer Center Ministries and the West Virginia Prayer Alliance. Uh, welcome to the third edition of Stay Focused. I am really excited to talk to you today. It is uh, Wednesday, March 25th, 2020. I'm time stamping this in the comments is simply because I want to make note of some things that's going on in our world. Uh, these um, Stay Focused episodes will be available as uh, podcast episodes with audio only in the future. So if you're listening to this at some point in the future, just let me know. Let, let me let you know what's going on uh, in our world today. As you're doing this, I want to encourage you that if you're watching this live, to go ahead and share this, start a watch party, invite your friends, because we're going to talk about the role of the church during times of crisis. Now, I, honestly, just to give a little precursor, uh, this is the role of the church in times of crisis, but it's really what I believe the scripture teaches is the role of the church always, but it's particularly true and important that the church be the church during times of crisis. Now, um, we are currently uh, in the middle of uh, a worldwide crisis brought on by many factors. Uh, at the, the heart of it is, is a uh, virus outbreak, uh, outbreak, a novel uh, coronavirus uh, with a disease attached that they've called COVID-19. Um, uh, 150 plus nations in the world, as I understand, are grappling with the spread of this. Um, the reports of sickness and mortality is, varies, uh, but also accompanying with this, as in end times of crisis, is uncertainty. Um, as our nation, our state, tends to, uh, is gra uh, grappling with this uh, outbreak of disease and the uncertainty it's associated with it. Uh, right now, currently, uh, the state of West Virginia is in a, a pretty much a uh, across-the-board quarantine. Other than essential businesses and such, um, people are asked to just to stay home so we can contain the outbreak and also uh, find out if there are hot spots around the state and nation of this environment. Our, our, our nation is in, in this type of quarantine. Uh, with all of this is uncertainty. Uh, along with that comes uh, anxiety and fear because we're in economic throws, ups and downs of, of markets reacting, people in quarantine not able to work, people uncertain. And so, um, all of these factors have come together to, pr to produce um, a time of crisis in our world. Now, I'm going to encourage you to open your Bible to the book of Acts, chapter 2. And I'm going to focus on uh, Acts 2, 42 through 47. As you're going there, I would encourage you to get something to write on, take some notes. Um, as you're going there, I really want to encourage you after this is over later on tonight, um, maybe you could go back and just watch the an ep the episode I did last night, and that's the role of the fivefold ministry during times of crisis, and particularly during the time of this crisis. Uh, I, I had I had a very strong unction from the Holy Spirit to share that message last night. I thought I was going to talk about the role of the fivefold ministry and the role of the church all in one episode, and as normal, I overestimate my. Um, Content versus time frames. Uh, I often do that. So we're just extending it on tonight. Um, one more thing I want to mention is that in response to this, this uh, upheaval that our world is in, uncertainty, a ministry I lead uh, called the West Virginia Prayer Alliance, 
Uh, I'll lead that along with Cody and Sarah Frazier. Uh, they're the statewide coordinators. It's part of the Appalachian Prayer Center Ministries. Uh, we have the state organized into 10 prayer regions. We've been doing this for a year and a half. We have multiple prayer gatherings. We've built a relational network of people all over the state of West Virginia. And we went into action and deployed this army of worshipers and intercessors and pastors and teachers and evangelists that God has put together um, over the last year and a half. And beginning on Monday, which was three days ago, we have been filling social media with 12 hours a day of, of worship and intercession and prayer. I've spent other uh, episodes talking about that in detail. I'm not going to take any more time on that tonight. But let me encourage you to go to West Virginia Prayer Alliance on Facebook. And every half hour, there will be we'll be sharing another uh, person who is either leading intercession or leading worship or teaching and preaching and encouraging. And uh, this is just our response uh, to um, this outbreak. Uh, Hope and Light WV is what we're calling it. Hope and Light West Virginia, hashtag Hope and Light WV. Uh, we have had just numerous people involved and connect with this, and we know that people have been encouraged. And I'm going to talk about the role of prayer here in just a moment. I want us to go there to Acts 2, and we'll jump right into this uh, scripture, because there's several things I, I want to share with you concerning the, the, the role of the church. Uh, right now, let me go ahead and ask you, if you don't mind, would you just comment the name of your church, your local assembly? Uh, um in the comments as you're watching either live or on replay because we uh, we want to pray for these churches. It's so important that the church is strong during this time because we are the hands and feet of Jesus. So we understand this. So we, meaning me, um, dozens and dozens, actually hundreds of of, of uh, intercessors and prayer leaders across the state of West Virginia and 12 Appalachian states wants to want we want to pray for you and your church, your pastor. And so we just want to encourage you with that to put that in there. Okay, uh, put that in the comments. Acts 2, 42. After the day of Pentecost, uh, the preaching and teaching of the word, thousands came to faith in Jesus. And then um, Acts picks up and explains how this early church, this first church of Christians functioned. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as anyone had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. I'm being mindful of my time. I only have 21 minutes uh, or so because we're keeping these to 30 minutes. So I just want to jump in and just share some um, remarks about some distinguishing characteristics of this early church. Now, as I often say, I'm not the final authority on everything. Uh, these are my thoughts as of today, March 25th, 2020. Um, I have been preaching and teaching for 30 years. Uh, this year actually makes 30 years of ministry, pu public pul pulpit ministry for me. 
I've uh, been pastoring for uh, almost 20 years, but I, I, I point that out to say that I am ever growing myself. I am ever evolving in my understanding. So these are my thoughts that I want to encourage you toward now. So uh, just some things that we notice out of the first church. One, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There is a devotion to the Word of God, to the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. One translation translates this, that they continued steadfastly. I want you to think about this. It isn't that they just listened to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to it. They, they were students. They put it into practice. Uh, they continued in the apostles' teaching. Let me explain something. If you are not obeying the teaching of the Word, you're not continuing steadfastly in it. Often we confuse a an agreement with a biblical concept as actually doing it. Uh, for instance, I, I, and, and as we'll, we'll see here in a moment, um, which is the second mark, which is the, that I want to point out, is the generosity of the church. So we can uh, read how Jesus said to, to feed those who are hungry, and we can agree with that. And I can read James where it says, pure religion and undefiled is to care for the widows and orphans. And, and we can say, yes, I agree with that. And, and I'll just use it as an example. There's, a, there's thousands of things in the Word of God that we can agree with. But in this instance, unless we are actually buying food for the hungry, unless we are funding projects feeding the hungry, we have just agreed. And James says that we have faith and belief, but without action, it's useless. My point is that um, in, in times of crisis and at all times, in order for the church to be the church, they must continue steadfast. They must obey, put into practice the teaching of the apostles, the teaching and preaching that they hear. Jesus himself said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then there's an important um, other half to that command. We call that the Great Commission. There's a, an other half to that Great Commission. He said to teach these new disciples to obey everything I commanded. See, church, I just want to point out that it's not enough to agree. It's not even enough for you to agree with my teaching today. You must put it into practice in order for it to be useful. You must continue steadfast, which means that you must be in a position where you're hearing, you're hearing the preaching and teaching, you're reading, you're listening, you're watching the preaching and teaching, but then you are responding. That's how to continue steadfast and in, in, into the teaching um, and, and preaching. I'm going to uh, jump into the second part. Is the Bible said that they broke bread together? Uh, there was a fellowship amongst the the early believers throughout history. You see this, this um, fellowship uh, between believers. Uh, in certain times of history, when believers would gather and share meals, and just uh, and because some people think the breaking of bread is the taking of communion, which it very well is part of, you know, Holy Communion, the Eucharist. It's very much part of our Christian expression. But I think that there's something even more here, that there's something that happens when believers actually connect with, with each other around a table. Now, right now, we are in, in um, quarantine. <laughs> uh, we're practicing social distancing. But this is a, a, a teaching that I want to stress now that we need to continue in, that something special happens when um, 
believers connect around a table and say, I'm, I'm, I'm from southern West Virginia and um, more affiliated with the southern part of the nation than the north. Now, no, no offense against northerners, but, but, but I love north. I've got lots of friends in the north. I, I, I love the north, but the southern, there's this thing called southern hospitality. And here's the thing. Uh, with Southern Hospitality, if we don't know anything else to do, we're going to feed you. We're just going to make sure, because opening our table to you, uh, sharing our food with you, is a sign of love and care. And so there is this distinction amongst the first Christians that they didn't just share bread uh, out of necessity for starving, uh, which you see they did that as well, but there is this fellowship a koinonia that happened amongst the believers the where that they were sharing like they were literally becoming family because when you open your table it's like that that's your family you you're you're sharing the table that's why Jesus uh, I just want to uh, uh, throw this in that Jesus talked about in the book of revelations about how he was standing outside of the door of his church knocking okay now, we use that verse for a lot of different things. Uh, you know, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. And actually, in context, that verse was to the church, his church. And somehow, Jesus' church had left him on the outside. This isn't my main uh, message. This is just a, this is a side dish, okay? Uh, so Jesus' church left him on the outside. He's knocking, and he said, but if you'll open the door, I'll come in, and, 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 and we'll eat together. See, there's this intimacy that happens around tables. And so there's this intimacy and family atmosphere that the church had, the first church had, and this is really important for the church to embrace at all times, particularly in times of crisis. So there was a devotion uh, to the apostles' teaching where they continued steadfast, but then there was this level of devotion to each other. Uh, I think that's a reflection of the great commandment. Remember, Jesus said to teach disciples to obey everything he commanded. Uh, Jesus said that all the law and the prophets could be summed up in, in to two commands. The love of God, the whole, uh, but see, this is what happens when I have to teach fast, okay? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the second is like it, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So when we even look at the cross beams, you see this, this vertical <clears throat> cross beam that uh, signifies a repair of relationship between God and man. But then you see this horizontal crossbeam that signifies the repair of relationship between man and man. All the way back in the garden, after Adam and Eve failed, there was this um, uh, uh, separation between God, but immediately there was a division between Adam and Eve. And God foretold and predicted how that there would be a dominance. And then we see the first son killing the second son. And you see in just a few verses where Lamech is seven times worse than Cain. And then with just a few um, verses more, uh, mankind is evil. And, and so to the point that God sent the flood. Okay, what's my, what am I getting at? That all in the garden, it wasn't just a relationship between God and man that was destroyed. It was a relationship between humans. Uh, uh, scripture tells us how that Jesus came to divide the wall of hostility between people. So there is a family of God aspect that we must 
recapture to where we are not just attending worship services together, and that's very important, which I'm going to get to in a minute, but that we're actually connecting on an intimate level. Again, in this current situation, it's more difficult for us uh, being in quarantine to do this, but I'm offering this as a teaching on how the church should respond. So let me just talk about the family aspect of church. If you're part of a church, don't just, right at this point in time, don't just rely on your pastor and your church leaders or your deacons to reach out or your church elders to reach out to your church family. You need to check on each other. You need to call each other, message each other, encourage each other. This is your role, church. We must be family, brothers and sisters, helping out brothers and sisters during this time. I promise you, your pastor, uh, your church leaders are, are, are stretched right now. And as crisis continues to unfold in our community, there will be many people who are sick, who, who are um, in emergent need that's going to require the attention of your uh, elders more and more and your church leaders and your pastors. And so it's going to be real important that you're the family of God. You must respond with this, this family attitude. So there's this continuing steadfastly in the teaching of the Word of God, but then there is this family atmosphere, attitude, that must permeate the church, the where we're not just people who attend services together, but that we are literally the family of God. So call people, check on people, beginning with your church family, and then extend on out to your community. Many of us are in quarantine. This is a time to minister to others by being an encouragement. Uh, let me just keep on. Uh, the third thing I want to focus on, again, number one, devoting, devoting yourself to the, the teaching and preaching of the apostles and and yesterday I talked about the fivefold ministry and their functions, so devoting yourself to their teaching and preaching. Second is, is developing a family uh, attitude within your church family of care. Third is prayers. The early church continued in prayer. Prayer should not be the last thing we do. It absolutely must be the first thing we do. Prayer is the central thing. Uh, let me just say this again. If you get nothing else out of my prayer talk right now, get this. Prayer is the central thing we do. It's the thing from which everything else we do flows. So when we are in prayer, and in a couple of sessions, I'm just going to talk about the power of corporate prayer. Um, uh, not today. I'm just going to mention a couple of things, though. But when we are in prayer, we can discern the Father's heart and will and know how to respond even. The Lord can teach us and show us what to do, but we must get along in a secret place. This is why that we immediately deployed intercessors and worshipers and, and secondarily pastors and teachers and, and, and evangelists in, in this season right now. Uh, I, I, an intercessor messaged some of us today and she said, I don't like being in front of this screen pray and I would prefer to be on the floor. <laughs> and I know that's the heart of intercessors. And I'm just like, you know, be wherever you need to be, but cry out. But right now, strategically, I'm going to encourage the, the, uh, the, the church to release the intercessors to the forefront. Because in this time of crisis, then this time of quarantine, that we are currently in, God is calling us to the secret place. Now, there is going to be a time of revival that flows from this. I firmly believe this, and wherein it's going to be vitally important for the apostles, uh, excuse me, uh, 
uh, vitally important for the evangelists to be thrust forth into the harvest field, and we're to support them. It's going to be important for the teachers and and, and the pastors. And, uh, and, and, and I went to detail on this last night, but I just want to say right now, Right now, currently, March 25th, I am saying that intercessors must come to the forefront because God is calling the church into the secret place. Listen, guys, if you're wondering how to pray often, at the half hour mark, most hours of the day, there's an intercessor leading in prayer. Listen to them. Notice how they pray. Model your prayers with theirs until you get more comfortable in prayer. And in a day or two, I'm going to um, devote a whole episode to the power of prayer on Stay Focused. Uh, let me just say, uh, just as, as a matter, uh, matter of noting, that this Stay Focused uh, um, um, webcast that I'm doing is to help us simply do that. Stay focused on what's important, particularly in unshaky times. So we see the early church, and the church now must devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and preaching. They must devote themselves to family, church, family life. Let me show uh, through one more, one more thing. Uh, you are a child of God. Your faith is in Jesus. You surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Holy Spirit entered into you, took out your whole old heart, your old nature. Uh, you are reborn. You're born again as a son or daughter of God. Yes, that is true. But you're not an only child. You are born into the family of God, and people need you, and you need people. And in times like this, it's vitally important that we maintain these family attitudes. And so let me just get back at it. Continue steadfastly in the preaching and teaching, following that, listen to that. I pray that you would listen and put into action what I'm encouraging you to do today. Uh, develop family type of, of, of relationships with fellow believers. Three, pray. We must pray. Again, um, I'm just going to say tomorrow, I'm just going to devote the whole 30 minutes of stay focused on the power of, of prayer, okay? Then there is this marking of generosity. I mean, people are selling what they, uh, what they had. And so my point is, is that there was not this stinginess that gripped the church. Now, I'm not telling people not to be prepared for the future. By all means, you must be prepared for the future. A few nights ago, uh, I have talked repeatedly that, you know, I am, I'm an Appalachian, Southern West Virginia guy. It's just mountain living that you need to be prepared two to four weeks at all points in time where I'm at to, if, if there's a snowstorm, power outage, whatever, you just kind of maintain that posture. So I'm not talking about you can never own anything. I'm just talking about how the early believers were not stingy. You can read it right here in scripture. There was this marked generosity, and I'm looking at my time, and I'm going quickly right now. Why were the early believers so generous? Because Jesus taught them to love their neighbors and love themselves. Jesus taught them to, to um, treat others the way they want to be treated. Jesus taught them that if people were hungry, to feed them. If people need shelter, to take them in, to visit those who were in prison. So we must, and that's why the church has been at the forefront of benevolence since the history of the world. I have a friend, Pastor Darrell, um, um, th that I'm going to ask next week in the West Virginia Prayer Alliance just to share some ways that the church has historically responded in times of crisis. I want to read just a couple of things to you. Um, uh, one is from the second century. Uh, this is the early, this isn't the first church, which we're reading about in the book of Acts, but it is the early church. It's the, the church of the first couple hundred years. 
So the first, uh, the, the church of the second century said, he that has, this, this is heavy, distributes liberally, liberally to him that has not. If there is among them a man that is poor and needy, and they have not an abundance of necessaries, they fast her three days that they may supply the needy with their necessary food. So in other words, they're saying if people are starving, the Christians actually fasted for two or three days and shared their food. So there's this hallmark of generosity. We read about in Acts 2. We see it in the early church. And Tertullian in AD 130, or he lived between AD 130 and, and 200, he wrote this. Get this. Our care for the derelict and the poor has become our distinctive sign to our enemy. That's echoing what Peter taught us in 1 Peter. He said that your, your good works should, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, should make uh, your enemies ashamed to talk about you. Even if they don't like you, your, your, your good works, and, and, and of course, we're not talking about works to earn your salvation. Of course not. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says that salvation is a free gift from God. But Ephesians 2 and 10, literally the next verse, though, says he saved you to do good works. And while your good works do not save you, if you are saved, you will do good works. Does that make sense? Again, uh, I don't do good works to earn God's love. I do good works because I have received God's love and because I love him and I love my neighbors. He taught me to. So there is this generosity, and again, I can't unpack everything there is about it, but hopefully you go back to the replay and listen to some of this, research it yourself, and, and, and just let me recap. Uh, real quick, there's a devotion to the apostles' teaching. There's a breaking of bread. There is this, and uh, let me back up, again, a devotion. They continued in it. They, they, they obeyed it. They didn't just listen to it. They obeyed it. There is a family attitude amongst the believers. They prayed um, uh, constantly. Can I just say that many times in the book of Acts, when the believers prayed, it, didn't, it doesn't even note how they sang. It doesn't even note how they preached, but it talks about how they prayed. And when they prayed, the house would shake. And when they prayed, and, and I'm just going to say, and I want to talk about prayer more tomorrow, but we got to return prayer back to the forefront of our churches, and that's why we're calling intercessors to step forward right now. Okay, then there is this marked generosity, but then they also gathered. Now, I, I, I'm just going to say right now, um, that we can't necessarily gather because of quarantine. However, I want to go on record as saying at the beginning of this quarantine, when the quarantine is lifted, I don't care how convenient you have found social media church to be, there is something important when you get in the room with believers. When it's safe to do so, show up and with other believers. Jesus talked about how his spirit is present in a different way. This is not just because I want people to come back to my church, whatever. No, this is fundamentally what early believers did. They gathered. They gathered in temple courts. So that's the big, large corporate gatherings, larger group corporate gatherings. They also gather from home to home. So there is this smaller group gathering. And I would encourage you to have both in your life. Uh, right now, it's harder to gather with people. Many of us uh, are ex ex in extreme quarantine because um, our civic leaders have asked us to be, just protect ourselves due to our age uh, and, and, and uh, health conditions. But I'm saying, church, that once it's safe to do so, get back to gathering corporately and in small groups because this is what the early church did. This is the mark 
of the first. I think it's real important to pay attention to what the first Christians did because they were living out the teachings of Jesus as directed by the apostles who were trained by Jesus himself. They didn't make up new things. Apostles, when you read the book of Acts, let me just encourage you to reread the book of Acts, understanding that everything the apostles were doing in relationship to the church, they were not making it up. They were basing it on what Jesus had personally taught them. That's why he gathered them and taught them for three years. And didn't, you know, Jesus didn't just come to die. He did come to die, but he didn't just come to die but he came to actually teach us how to live as, so as reborn children of God. So his death and resurrection brings new life to us, but his teaching shows us how to live as a reborn son or daughter of God. So it's important that we devote ourselves to those teachings. So I just want to say to you as I'm wrapping up, tomorrow I'm going to talk about the power of prayer. I, I want to give you one more sign. Earlier in the, broad, uh, in the broadcast, I asked you to list the name of your church. But the last thing I want to do is I want to encourage you, even if you have to come back and comment it later, I want to encourage you to list a creative way of generosity, a creative way to help others during this time of quarantine. We might not be able to be face-to-face as much, but we can definitely help others. Let me give you an example. There's a couple of dear women of God in our church, other sisters. One of them is one of our church elders. She she helps shepherd and, and care for our church. She's, she's, she's a, just, a, just a dear spiritual mother to many people, including myself. On Monday, she and her sister immediately went to work on making sewing masks for health care workers, locally, statewide, just people who need that. That is a creative way that they are helping people, even though they themselves, excuse me, have to ex- exercise extra caution because I keep telling them they have to because they would just wait up and wait in with anybody. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I love these ladies and I'm just saying, listen, Please listen to me. But they just said, well, here's something we can do. See, that's a creative way that we can be generous and helpful to the world around us as Christians given hope and light, even if we can't at this point in time connect face-to-face with as many people. So list some ways you can people can creatively help others. I hope this teaching was a benefit. Now, let me say this to you. This teaching doesn't stand alone. I want to encourage you to listen to my teaching from yesterday with the role of fivefold ministry uh, during times of crisis. And I hope that today's teaching on the role of the church during times of crisis provokes you to think and spurs you on toward love and good deeds because that's what the the book of Hebrews has taught us to do. Uh, share, Share your thoughts and comments with me. If this has encouraged you, share it with others and invite others to join with us six o'clock tomorrow night for another episode to stay focused. Now, normally, West Virginia Prayer Alliance, we continue our worship and prayer on into the evening. But on Wednesday evenings, we have decided that we would stop our um, streaming and encourage you, anyone who has connected to the West Virginia Prayer Alliance, to find a local church's teaching, a church in your community, 
and watch that preaching and teaching, engage with that local Bible study. If your own church is doing one, great. If you're not connected to a church family, find someone in your local community, watch their live stream tonight, engage in their Bible study, and support your local churches. We love you. We're praying for you. Now, Father, uh, bring together, as Ken Henry used to sing, the church that bears your name. Fill us with a passion to proclaim that Jesus reigns. Pour oil on our prayers. And, and God, we just ask right now that you pour oil on the prayers of your church right now, that you would bring us together as one church under the banner of Jesus, lifting up Jesus, that in all things he might be supreme. We love you guys. Thank you for watching. Share with others. And I will see you tomorrow at 6 p.m. All day tomorrow, beginning at 830 in the morning, worship and prayer. Uh, we invite you to join us on uh, West Virginia Prayer Alliance, WV Prayer Alliance, Hope and Light WV. We love you guys.